This is the reality. And a hearty hello to you. Welcome to The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the sure reality of life as found in Jesus Christ. The Reality is produced by a listener-supported radio ministry called Sure Reality. Find out more at our website, surereality.net. If you've got a story to tell of God's touch in your life, I would love to hear from you. Drop me a note by email, if you will, dudley at surereality.net. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast, and it is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful, and it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. From 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the Holy Bible. Today on The Reality, we meet Kim Sorrell, author of Love Is a year-long experiment in living out 1 Corinthians 13 love. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And four months later, my husband of nearly 29 years was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he passed away six weeks later. It really just kind of made me question love, what love really is. So we learn love from our parents, from whoever we learn love from. And some things that are called love aren't necessarily love. And John tells us that God is love. Well, if God is love, if we live love, then that would be like living like Jesus. As always, I begin our chat with Kim to find out how she found Jesus Christ to be her Lord and Savior. I was raised in a Catholic home, and I don't remember a time that I ever did not believe in God, believe in Jesus, that Jesus was Lord and Savior. It was just something that was a part of our home and a part of my upbringing and a part of my faith. But after uh, I was an adult, I met my husband, the man that was going to be my husband, and he was attending these charismatic Catholic prayer meetings. Mm -hmm. And I started going with him to these prayer meetings. And my faith in God just increased tremendously. The praise and worship music and the prayer and the connection with the Spirit were just so strong and so wonderful. We ended up marrying and going to an Assembly of God church for years mm. and then uh, going to a non-denominational church. So the beauty in it is I feel comfortable in any church in the world, and cool. it's kind of a nice feeling. <laughs> Lovely. That's amazing. And I praise God for that. Now, uh, Kim, I believe you've uh, also had some experience in some humanitarian work. Have you, you worked out in Haiti for a while. Tell us about that. Yes, sure. Yes, I've been with a couple different organizations, but most recently in the last many years, Rays of Hope International. Uh, we're a partnering organization. We work with people in their own country who have a passion, a mission, a vision to help people in their own country and just need someone to walk alongside. So the beauty of that is working with people who understand the language, understand the culture, and truly understand the need, hmm. then they just need a hand with maybe some fundraising or a business plan on how to how to get things off the ground. And we, we always work towards self-sustainability so that the mission can actually happen without always chasing dollars. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. But uh, before we get to your book, uh, Kim, I also believe, having looked at some of the uh, information on your website, uh, that you were chased by a motorcycle gang once. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> 
Yes, I was. Actually, um, uh, I have a great friend who tells me that I am the dumbest smart person she knows. (laughs) (laughs) I I can get myself into predicaments um, that I I really shouldn't, but not really thinking. But I was crossing the border in a big truck with two friends, uh, crossing the border from Haiti into the Dominican Republic. And I thought I knew I'd crossed the border several times. And uh, you've got to be so careful that you're not going to get stolen from. And mm-hmm. there are, you know, desperate people do desperate things. And the poverty is just so thick and sure. so tough. And so I've always been told, don't stop on the Haitian side. Go to the Dominican side. And and every time I'd crossed the border before that, that was the truth. And you uh, went to the first part of the building and it was the Haitian stamps that you got and went to the next part of the building and it was the Dominican stamps. Hmm. Well, we crossed the border and the um, people were trying to wave us down, trying to wave us down. And I said, no, no, keep driving, keep driving. And we drove through, drove through a lot of water, all flooded. And when we got to the other side, they said, no, no, you had to stop back there. I thought, oh, my word, what was I thinking? So Hmm. We hired a couple motorcycles. There was a, a man, a Dominican man who spoke English who translated for us and hired a couple motorcycles. We left one of our guys with the truck, and then we went back across the border through this water on these motorcycles. But we'd established a price first, what we were going to pay. So we go back across through the water. We get our, our passport stamp, come back, our guys safe and sound in the back of the truck with all of our tools and gear Hmm. and we get in get our our other stamps that we needed on the dominican side and we start driving away and we left our guy in the back of the truck uh so that nothing would get stolen nothing taken from the back Hmm. well pretty soon he's yelling go 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 (laughs) and and we're thinking well what's going on and then we're hearing bang bang well someone was throwing big rocks at us and we didn't know what was going on and and but before that though when we'd gotten back from the with the motorcycles um they wanted more than what i had negotiated to pay them Hmm. and and i'm like no i've been down this road before i'm not going to get ripped off we negotiated a price you guys agreed to a price that's what we're going to pay so i gave the money and here we're driving away and these rocks are flying at us and he's screaming at us to go faster faster well we finally realized what was going on our driver just put the metal pedal to the metal <laughs> just went as fast as that truck would possibly go through wow. these roads that were dirt and whatever i think sometimes we were probably up on two wheels it felt Gosh. like it was crazy and we were driving as fast as we possibly could and our adrenaline was just racing and these this gang was sometimes the motorcycles would pull right alongside of us and they you know were threatening us and whatever and and somehow we got away from these guys wow and uh, yeah, it was it was incredible. We got away, and we finally got to a place where we're like, okay, they're gone, they're gone. We're we're safe to just drive, but still driving fast because our driver was still fearful. We were yeah. all still kind of fearful. And he turned to me and he said, "Well, what was that all about?" They told us a price, and then we got back over to the other side, and they wanted more money. And I told him, "No, you know that's not how it works. We negotiated a price." And uh, and he said, wow, that was crazy. We could have died. You know, that was ridiculous. He said, how much more money did they want? And I was a little embarrassed to tell him that they wanted five more U.S. dollars. <laughs> so <laughs> I could have, should have avoided the whole thing for the five dollars. But <laughs> like, yeah. what's five dollars? No kidding. Wow. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of foolish. But, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the danger <laughs> of it. And uh, I dare say, Kim, if you don't mind me saying, a challenge to anybody's thought of love <laughs> in, in a situation <laughs> like that. So let's let's talk a little bit about that concept. Love is a year-long experiment in living out 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's a book you've written. Tell us about the book. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And four months later, my husband of nearly 29 years was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he passed away six weeks later. Oh, I'm sorry. And yeah, it was an interesting time of life and a tough time of life. Actually, my first book, Cry Until You Laugh, is about that time of life. But um, it really just kind of made me question love, what love really is. Because I thought I knew. I mean, you think you know, right? I mean, but we learn love not from a manual or from, you know, there's no love for dummies at the store. So we learn love from our parents, from whoever we learn love from. And some things that are called love aren't necessarily love. And so it just kind of made me wonder. And there were a couple of people that have uh, lived a year like Jesus, right? Like different people have lived a year like something, like cooking like Julia Childs or, yeah. you know, whatever. And uh, But the ones that have lived a year like Jesus, when I've read the books, it's been more about the physical, you know, the wearing sandals and the um, trying to do a 40-day fast or having a drink with a bar at a bar with strangers. Mm. And there wasn't a deep spiritual thing like I would expect if you truly devoted a year to trying to live like Jesus, no matter who you think Jesus is, mm -hmm. you know, but knowing uh, that Jesus love and peace and light and God and everything wonderful and incredible, um, that it would have to change your life. And I just thought, well, you know, what is love? And, and, and how would I do a walk to try to live really like God would want me to live? And John tells us that God is love. Mm. Well, if God is love, if we live love, then that would be like living like Jesus, right? Mm. So I thought, well, if I if I live love, if I figure out love, which I'm wanting to do anyway, then it should bring me a lot closer to living the way that God has intended us to live. So I decided I would take that beautiful 2,000-year-old poem that in the U.S. we hear at a lot of weddings. I don't know if if you do too, mm. but love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, etc. Mm. And I would take one word a month and figure out, well, what is love that is patient? What does that really mean? What is love that is kind? Mm. But there are 14 words rather than 12, <laughs> so it took me a little bit longer than a year. Mm. Uh, but uh, it was just incredible. The What I learned about love, the discoveries that I made, and, and the way they were made uh, was just incredible. Wow. It's really amazing. Very deep and very intense. Uh, but I believe your book also tells stories uh, that led to some interesting things about love, some scary things about love. Tell us about a scary thing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, one, one of the things that, one that I, I was afraid to approach that I wasn't sure about, because some of them seemed so obvious, none of them ended up being what I thought that they were going to be, none of them. But uh, love does not keep record of wrongs. Mm. I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting thing because we don't forget things that happen to us, right? So what does it mean, really, that love doesn't keep record of wrongs? Well, I, while I was working on that, I uh, had been in contact with a group of men from the United States that were interested in a water project that I was working on in Haiti. 
And they asked if I would take them over to Haiti and go with them, show them the project. I said, sure, of course. So there were eight American men, and I took two Haitian friends who were also men with me to go uh, show them the project. So we drove out to the countryside, and we were staying at this place. We got to where we were staying, and it was uh, behind a cement wall, this small building with two rooms. And each room had four twin-sized beds. So there were eight American men, two Haitian men, and me. So the head American guy pulled me over, Kim, Kim, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure, yeah, you know, whatever. And he said, did you see the rooms? And I'm thinking, well, buddy, there's nothing else to see. You know, this is a really little place. There's mm -hmm. there's nothing else. And then I thought, oh, he's asking me because he's he thinks I'm going to want my own room. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say to him, oh, it's okay, I'll sleep outside. And then he'll say, oh, no, 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 if anybody should sleep inside, it should be you. And then I'll say, well, it's okay. I don't care if there's other people in my room. And he'll say, oh, gosh, that's good news because there's only so much room. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought, oh, well, you know, that's how the conversation would go. Mm -hmm. So I said to him, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he said, oh, good, good. Because there are, there are men here that would not want to sleep with a woman in their room. Oh. And I thought, well, goodness, what does he think is going to happen in the middle of the night in the hottest place in the world? It felt like I had no idea what, what that was about, but I thought, well, I offered, mm -hmm. so now I have to find a place to sleep. And I saw a piece of plywood and a couple of sort of Haitian sawhorses, and I thought, well, I'll put the plywood over it. And then we had an air mattress, and I put the air mattress underneath, and at least if it rained, I'd be okay. Mm -hmm. But my fear was, you know, we're in the land of tarantulas <laughs> that can be the size of a plate, you know, huge tarantulas, snakes wow. of all kinds, chupacabras, I don't know, whatever kind of, you know, alien creatures were out there. And my fear was that something would crawl onto me, slither onto me, whatever, and mm. um, bite me or, you know, like whatever. I was just afraid of that. So I just went to bed that first night. It was super loud. There were dogs barking and horns honking. It was really loud. That died down around midnight or 1 a.m. And then about 2 o'clock in the morning, voodoo drums started in the oh. distance. And so I listened to those for a couple hours. And then finally those died down and I was able to doze off. And so the first night came and went with, with no incident. And then the second night came. And again, my air mattress was dead after an hour and sleeping on the gravel. And... And it was loud, the horns and the dogs and then the voodoo drums and then I'm dozing off. Yeah. But then I woke up because there was something on my leg. Oh. And I thought, oh no, you know, what could it be? Does this country even have the anti-venom to whatever it possibly could be? Or am I going to be able to be airlifted off to Miami or, you know, am I going to mm. lose a leg? You know, what's wow. going to happen? I, you know, we just didn't know. And so I slowly lifted my head and I slowly opened my eyes. And it was a chicken. There was a chicken on my leg. And I didn't know whether to be mad because it was it woke me up or happy that it wasn't something worse. I shooed the thing away, you know, and got a little more sleep. And I thought, wow, a chicken. So then the third night came and went, nothing. And the fourth night, the same thing, the loud noises, the voodoo drums, finally sleeping. And again, there was something on my leg. Mm. And again, I slowly lifted my head and slowly opened my eyes. And again, it was the chicken. And again, I didn't know, am I mad? Am I happy? What am I? I 
just needed to sleep. I slept so little that week. But we had chicken for dinner that night. (laughs) And so my my last night was pretty uneventful. But I'll tell you, I was I was a little bitter, you know, I was angry at these guys. I'm thinking, man, I I hope my sons wouldn't treat somebody like this. And and I was thinking too, you know, I'm I'm all about women's equality and you know all of that that that's all well and good but i'm still a woman i'm still a human being Hmm. and there was plenty of room in the room and i was i was angry that they didn't even you know draw straws or anything uh but at first i was just you know kind of like who are these guys you know why why would they treat me this way and and i was i was kind of bitter but i was working on love doesn't keep record of wrongs Hmm. and then it dawned on me Hmm. that I'll never forget that story. We don't forget the things that have happened to us, right? Mm. But the the narrative changes. It's no longer this, I am bitter and angry at these guys. Like, well, why would they treat me like this? Now it's just this funny story, this thing mm. that happened to me. Mm. I could literally sleep anywhere in the world and be just fine. Mm. But I'm not bitter or angry. So that's what I think uh, love that doesn't keep wrongs is all about. You are listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported ministry. We value your prayers and support very much. You can help us touch millions of people with the reality of Christ by becoming a vision partner. Visit surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. That is, become a vision partner at surereality.net. Listen again to The Reality on our podcasts at surereality.net. If you've just joined us, a hearty hello. This is The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the reality of real life as found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more, if you have some questions so far as we've chatted today, please feel free to drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net. Again, email me, dudley at surereality.net. I'd love to hear from you. Just to remind you that you can listen again to this radio program podcast on our website, surereality.net. Today on The Reality, we're speaking to author of Love Is, a year-long experiment in living out 1 Corinthians 13 love, Kim Sorrell. Kim has shared how she found Jesus Christ at an early age and went on to seek out God's plans for her life. In this seeking, Kim felt compelled to discover more about the love of God. She sensed the call of God to do some humanitarian work in Haiti, which she embraced with passion. Then Kim contracted cancer. Soon afterwards, her husband contracted pancreatic cancer and sadly died. Kim was distraught. Where was the love of God? And yet, she read in the Bible that God is love. Kim Sorrell devoted the rest of her life to seeking and expressing the love of God. Studying 1 Corinthians chapter 13, she read that love holds no record of wrongs. On a trip to Haiti one day, she found herself sleeping outdoors in the heat and subject to all manner of hazards, including spiders and scorpions and snakes, while the men that she was traveling with wrapped themselves in beds in a small hut. Kim was left sleeping outside, facing several nights of dangers. Her natural inclination was to become embittered towards the men that she was working with. But then she remembered 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. Love is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. By God's grace, Kim lived out that scripture in love. But love extends to greater bounds than these. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Let's return to Kim Sorrell today and find out what she makes of this statement. Yeah, well, I, I really believe we're supposed to love everybody. And, and I believe that that's entirely possible. I think one of the things is recognizing that, that we're all equal. We, you know, there, there are sometimes that, that um, like love doesn't boast. Love is not proud. Mm. You know, there are some, some of the words that are used in connection with love that love is or love is not. That, that if you behave in a certain way, you're elevating yourself above others. If you think that you you are smarter than, you're greater than, you know, your country is better than, your city is better than, you know, mm-hmm. you're whoever, whatever, whatever part of you you think is better than, then then you automatically put yourself up above whoever think whoever you, it is that you think you're better than. Mm-hmm. And love doesn't do that. Love recognizes the beauty and equality. Recognizes that we are all made in God's image. That we are. We're all walking on the same ground. We are all equal. And so with that in mind, you know, thinking about an enemy, you know, what what really is an enemy? You know, is it a person who disagrees with you? Is it a person who's trying to harm you? Hmm. you know, what what really is an enemy? And where there is love, and and when I talk about love, Dudley, I don't think love as an emotion like fear or excitement. But love is who you are. Hmm. You know, the Bible says, John says, God is love. Not that God loves hmm. or that God is loving, hmm. but that he is love. Hmm. So to be like God, that means we need to be love. That it's a walking, talking, living, breathing thing that we are, hmm. not just something we feel. So when it comes to that and loving enemies, just be love to your enemies. Be love. Mm-hmm. And uh, and pretty soon you might find out they're not really going to be your enemy anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Uh, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't want my enemy to attack me and to insult me. Therefore, I shouldn't insult him. And it can change a character. Would you say that uh, love is a choice, Kim. Can I choose to love, even though there's no reason or circumstance to love? Can I make a choice, a decision to love somebody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think love is a choice. Um, I think to to live love is a choice. Uh, I think, you know, that it starts there. If, if you, you really want to live love, if you mm-hmm. want to be love, um, if you want that to be your life, uh, I think that's a choice you know, how, how you choose to live your life. But then when it comes down to individual people um, choosing to love, for, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um, marriages or other relationships out there that that people, you know, fell in love, they'll say, and then fell out of love, you know. But I don't think it's anything that you fall into or fall out of. Mm-hmm. Love, love is love. Love is always there. Mm-hmm whether you choose to recognize it or choose to love, like you said, you know, sometimes we do get away from that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like we're standing at the altar and all happy and excited and so Mm -hmm. mad about the person that is in front of us and can't wait to spend the rest of our lives with them. And then 
uh, the kids come and life comes and, mm. you know, the daily grind and uh, things change. And pretty soon, you know, she's wearing sweatpants and her hair in a ponytail. And she used to get all dolled up when you <laughs> would go out or whatever, you know, things mm. change. And he's sitting around in his sweatpants or whatever. <laughs> and and things change. Mm. And uh, people can feel like they're disconnecting or somehow losing the love. Well, that that's a choice. Mm-hmm. To lose the love is a choice. Mm-hmm. Keep it fresh. Keep it alive. Come on. You know, realize um, where that love comes from and what love is about, and 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 choose to have a great relationship. It, you can choose to love as deeply as you want to love, mm-hmm. and and choosing that, man, life is so much better. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so much happier and so much better. Fantastic. Everywhere you are. Absolutely. And and finally, Kim, you know, the Bible says God so loved the world. And uh, yet, if I look at the world, I think the world doesn't love God, but yet he still loves the world. He loves you. He loves me so much. And he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and to rise again from the dead. That If we believe in him, the Bible promises us eternal life. Uh, Kim, in your opinion, how can I find that love of God? I think, first of all, look for it. Look for it. Realize that it's everywhere. I mean, we're breathing. I, you know, I live in the United States. I turn my tap on and I can get water, clean water that's safe to drink. I I mean, I I can drive down paved roads. I, I have, my life is made, you know, when I go to places like, like Haiti or Burkina Faso or places where, people are just living in poverty. I think, how can I do anything but love? I I have been given so much, you know, God has been so, so good to me. Mm. And really he's, he's good to all of us, you know, where, wherever it is, whatever circumstance we're in, but you have to keep your eyes open, pay attention and, and realize that uh, God is for us. He's not against us. And so when there are trials and tribulations, that's not a time to walk away from God or say, well, gosh, where is God? He's there. Praise the Lord. He's He's right there with us the whole time. It's not about him ever leaving our side. It's, it's about um, us dealing with situations. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where bad stuff is going to happen. I mean, it's, it's just inevitable. But God is a hundred percent of the time always there and God is love and just look for God in it and don't don't ever think that God has has left you or Mm. or would ever just leave you stranded Mm. because that's not who God is God is love God is love Kim Sorrell it's been wonderful talking to you thank you so much for joining us today on The Reality Today on The Reality we've been talking with Kim Sorrell author of the book, Love Is, a year-long experiment in living out 1 Corinthians 13, Love. You can find that book where books are sold. What a pleasure to talk with Kim today, a woman that is indeed consumed with the love of God, reminding us that God is love and that love is a choice. We have a choice to, to love our neighbor as ourselves, or indeed, as in the story of the Good Samaritan, walk by on the other side of the road. The Bible says to us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus didn't die for you because you were a good person, (laughs) or me. Jesus died for us because we were far from God. 
We've all sinned. The Bible says and come short of the glory of God. No matter how good we are in this world, we're just not good enough for God. So when God sent Jesus Christ to die for us upon the cross, he sent his goodness to take our sin upon himself so that if we believe in him, repenting of sin, turning our back on wrong stuff in our lives, and believing that Jesus died for us and confessing him to be our Lord and Savior, the Bible says we can be saved from that corruption of sin and come to know his love and grace. If you'd like to know more, please write to me by email, dudley at surereality.net. Again, email me, dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. If you'd like to support us and become a vision partner, please visit the website surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you as always, keep your eyes on Jesus. God bless.